like video is so amazing, but how do we have something that's like truly built for like connecting with customers, whether that's, you know, on marketing, automation, nurture side, or like sales side, or even customer success, like there needs to be something that's just fully centered around customer communication. Um, just so that, you know, someone who's focused on making sure the videos look good, you have the right analytics, they convert well. Um, and there's obviously other platforms in the space that have been around a lot longer than SenseSpark, but we found that they fell short because you're always recording a video by hand every single time. And it just, you know, we were trying to get the sales team at Vidgo to use it and like they would do it every now and then, but like, it was hard to have it be a consistent part of the process. And that's what we started to embark the change. One characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was grit. Thanks for jumping on. Um, I've been wanting to get you on for a while. We haven't talked that much. Um, so for those that are listening, Bethany used to be a customer of ours um, uh, for user feed, which I do you still use user feed? We still user use user feed, feed yeah. Nice. Nice. So still a user feed user. Actually, I saw a post yesterday where you guys were talking about an integration with reply.io. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to respond and be like, yeah, two user feed customers, you know, <laughs> but I, uh, I don't actually know for sure if I didn't know if, if both of you still used it, I just assumed, but, um, but yeah, we, uh, and I think you know this, but we sold the company like, I don't know, uh, almost two years ago now, but I guess oh, wow. it's been like a year and a half. Jeez. That's like was the, beginning of, that, yeah. the beginning of 2021. Um, we sold the business, which I still like some days regret, um, cause there it's been doing really well from what I hear, um, from the, the owner, but, um, and I just miss like working with different customers and, and that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, so we, that's how we met and then we just haven't caught up in a long time. And so I, you know, see the things you guys are doing on LinkedIn. Um, I see all your posts and stuff and it looks like, uh, you know, everything's going great. And, um, you know, I think you guys are like, we've had a lot of people on the show, like founders of other, uh, what I would say I'm generalizing, but like video companies mm-hmm. and my wife, my wife actually she's a, she runs sales for, um, uh, um, they do, it's like a video streaming video API. So okay. kind of like, uh, like Twilio has, has the same thing. Um, but it's called daily. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of that daily.co, but no, they, no. um, it's for like audio and video, um, streaming. So if you wanted to build that into your product, uh, they, they could help you do that. There's a few, there's, ob- there's a lot of folks kind of going at that market now. Um, but uh, she was previously at Twilio, and so then she she jumped over there to the smaller smaller startup. But yeah, we've had a lot of people. We've had um, uh, the founder of Bonjuro on. I don't know if you know them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of I don't know how like if you guys cross paths at all from a competitive standpoint. But I know it's like a little bit different, I guess. But I think um, they focus more on like customer success. We focus more on video yeah. from sales. But yep. it's a more yep. space there. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I want to, you know, I thought it would be great to have you on. Obviously you're in a different, uh, kind of a different market within that same, or I guess you're in the same market, different vertical. Um, but just wanted to really just catch up with you and, um, uh, maybe, uh, so I don't butcher it quickly, just kind of intro, um, you know, what you guys do at, at Sense, Sense, uh, Sense Park. 
Um, yeah, so SenseBark is a video platform for sales teams to connect to customers with personalized videos at scale. And what's really different about SenseBark versus some of the other video platforms that have been around for a long time is we're trying to help you like not just create a one-off video, but to really be able to leverage video as part of your sales process um, by being able to reuse parts of the video. So it's not like AI or deep fakes where you're just like automatically changing parts of the video, but more of like a sales automation platform, like an outreach or sales loft where you can have a video template and then you can record custom intros. You can change out dynamic variables um, and you can do, you can use templates and just a lot more to like really be able to quickly create videos and personalize what needs to be personalized but also like reuse core demos or um, more general videos. So you're not repeating yourself and you're able to move right. really fast. You guys work with, I would assume, primarily sales teams and marketing teams. Yeah. Mostly sales teams probably. Primarily sales. And there'll be like different, like marketing teams will be part of it because maybe like marketing will make, uh, like marketing or even support could make like general overview videos, but it's really salespeople that are using it day to day either, you know, recording a truly personalized video or grabbing another video and recording a custom intro over it and sending it off as part of their prospecting sequences or follow-ups or answers to questions throughout the sales process. Gotcha. So we've been working, we've been working on another uh, product. It'll first be for intercom, but it kind of reminds me it like, we're not doing this yet, but it sort of reminds, reminds, reminds me of that a little bit, but basically like the problem of like stale content in your help center Mm. um that we're trying to like we're trying to address that problem because you know with software companies it goes stale like every week right (laughs) because it's like you know you build some new feature and all of a sudden like three different articles in your help center are like they've gone stale because or the screenshots are stale or the video is stale so like on the video like that's one of the big problems that people have is um you know they record these videos of certain segments of their product and the you know those things change or there's new features or whatever and then it's like, well, how do you, how do you adjust those quickly on the fly? Um, so it sounds like you guys, it sounds like you're, it's a different use case, but kind of the same thing is like, how can you do these in a more efficient way? Because that's like, because it's something you're always going to have to be doing all the time. And like with salespeople, they're always making new videos for, you know, re- reaching out to different people and, and, um, yeah, being able to change that stuff quickly. Yeah, and we actually have a pretty good in, uh, integration with Intercom too because like sales conversations are happening there as well. Mm-hmm. So like what you can do if you're in Intercom and someone asks a question, like maybe how does your Intercom integration work? Then you can just click a button that now is like inside of Intercom using our integration, yeah. record like a very quick video and then click an add video button and then link that to your existing content. So that way, if anything changed, or like you just want to add more of a human touch, you're still doing that personalized intro and it's like less stale. And then you're right. and send, and then you just hit insert and it sends it off. But cause like, I definitely hear the stale content and there's also something like no one wants to receive a help article. If they ask a question and you're just like, Oh, read this article. They're like, well, thanks dude. Yeah. Like it, it feels like abrupt. Especially <laughs> salespeople. Yeah. <laughs> salespeople yeah. are like, non-technical maybe technical people a little bit more right because they're so much they're so used to like dealing with documentation and stuff but that's Mm -hmm. something that i like so kyle i don't know if you ever met kyle but he's my he's my business partner and he's he's the um i mean he's like our main developer uh um, we have other developers but he's you know like cto um 
but he always like we we have a sort of a not a disagreement but like a difference of opinion on like that kind of content and like help centers and like self-service uh support content because it's like if he went in he might he might like to get that documentation and go through it and do it himself i i don't like to do that like i want someone to just tell me the answer to the thing like i want to ask i want to ask a question and have them tell me and he would say oh you can ask the question and then it pops up an intercom like an article and i'm like no then i have to go do more work i don't want to do work maybe that's lazy or something but like i just want someone to tell me the answer uh with the 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 context that i that i'm giving you yeah. Um, but I, to- I totally agree there, you know, everybody's, di- everybody receives support differently. And I think you have to kind of meet people where, where they're at. Yeah, exactly. And I think you should have both options, right? And usually yeah. when I'm reaching out to support, it's because I already looked at the help article. I didn't figure it out. And then I'm asking the questions, yeah. so send me the thing. Then it's like extra frustrating. It's like, no, I already read that. I couldn't find it. Exactly. I mean, that's what I like. That's sort of our thesis with this, this new product we're building, but it's like, um, you know, people go like, they're going to go, you may not even know all the, t- all the times that they go to some help center article and just like, they're like, what? Like they're, they're confused because what they're looking at is not actually like in the product anymore or it's different or whatever. So they may reach out to you and, and could, like, you may get more support, like, um, more support conversations coming in because your documentation is bad Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's not updated. Or you may not, or or maybe you'll get less and you're having people just leave. They're just like, this is, you know, maybe it's like first timers, right? And they get in, they're like, I'm, this is, I, I don't understand this. I'm out of here. Um, yeah. And you just don't even know that that's happening. So anyways. Uh, so to, I'm excited to see what you're building because I feel like that's very relevant. Like, because you never know, like someone signs up, if they don't go forward, is it because they were a good customer and can figure it out? Or is it because like... Right you know, it wasn't a good fit to begin with. Yeah. How do you figure out exactly it's, I mean, it's, where they left? Yeah. It's, it's a problem we've always had. I mean, I just, like recently went into our, like, I don't know what, I don't know why I was doing it, but I went into our, our, um, our other so- software product called Adderform. I went in the help center looking for something to see if it was theirs and I was going to like write a new one. And it's just like dumpster fire. Like It's like so much, so much of the stuff is just like, so like we've just done, we've done a lot of, because we sold the business this year has been a big year for like doing a lot of updates within like our core software product. And so we've built a lot and there's just so many articles that are like out of date videos, like screenshots. It's, it's a lot of work to like go do that all at once. So it's like, it would have been nice to just like have something that, you know, would help me do it like in the moment and um, stay up to date with that stuff. But I guess you were at another video type of uh, company before. Is that sort of how you got started with SenseBark? Yeah, both my co-founder and I were at VidGrid, which is um, a video company more in like the enterprise communication and education space, like think video training. And they they actually sold the company to Paylocity um, a couple of years ago. So my co-founder, Brandon, and I were working there and we we're on the marketing side, um, Brandon leading design and I was leading marketing. And we're like, there needs to be a video platform that's like, like video is so amazing, but how do we have something that's like truly built for like connecting with customers, whether that's, you know, on marketing, automation, nurture side, or like sales side, or even customer success, like there needs to be something that just fully centered around customer communication. Um, just so that, you know, someone who's focused on making sure the videos look good, you have the right analytics, they convert well. 
Um, and there's obviously other platforms in the space that have been around a lot longer than SenseSpark, but we found that they fell short because you're always recording a video by hand every single time. And it just, you know, we were trying to get the sales team at Medgar to use it and like they would do it every now and then, but like, it, it was hard to have it be a consistent part of the process. And that's what we started right. SenseSpark to change. Gotcha. Yeah, I think like with any of these big markets, there's always, there's a ton of room for like different verticals where they focus on, you know, like obviously everybody's seen it with uh, like the CRM market, right? Like you have Salesforce and it seems like they're just dominating the world, but there's actually like, there's probably like, I don't know, a hundred CRM products you don't even know about. Um, And a lot of them are vertical, you know, or they're, they're focused on a particular um, like role within a company. Like I'm a big fan of doing like the vertical yeah. type stuff. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we kind of did that with user feed. I mean, we basically did that with user feed because we mm-hmm. only focused on one, you know, just intercom customers. Um, so like for that customer base, we could be the best because we could do specific things you like other people just aren't going to do within intercom. So if you're an intercom customer, it's the best product, you know, for you in that space, but like, you know, there are, pro- there are products that are, uh, they're probably much bigger than we were, um, but they were kind of like more generalized to the whole market. So yeah, I, I'm a big believer in that. Kind yeah, of that's why I really like user feed. I think it's important to do one thing and do it well. And like, of course we want to do more in the future, but we want to really focus on the problem we're solving. And I think by focusing on, you know, a specific niche or vertical, um, you're able to focus not just on building a product, but on solving a real problem for people. And that just makes everything easier in terms of how you're marketing, how your onboarding works, like how the features you're building, it answers every question because like for us, we're thinking, Hey, how do we help people book meetings with video? And like, that's going to be very different than if you're using something more general, like loom where, you know, you're just trying to make a video. And so like our product, there's a thousand like little tiny differences that we're optimizing for that one specific goal. Um, yep. so I recommend it, but you know, we definitely hear pushback. Yeah. Like, oh, support more use cases, do this. It's like, we will, but let well, us know right first. I mean, regardless of whether you raise money, like a lot of money or not, like you, you need, like there needs to be some level of kind of like focusing in on one thing and get, you know, get a, uh, get your foot like, what are they, what's the term like strong hold or whatever mm-hmm. and then you can kind of go from there but it's always I think it's always a good idea to sort of like niche down a bit um, but I guess on that on that note you guys had raised a little bit of money during the pandemic I believe yeah. right but not like not like a ton like you guys didn't like it wasn't like a series a or something I mean it seems like you guys have been going sort of like in more of like a bootstrap manner since the raise are you guys planning to continue doing that? Is that like the strategy or do you want to raise another round? Like, how do you, how do you think about fundraising? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I mean, we're going to do what makes the most sense. I this is a short answer, um, <laughs> but we really raised the last round to, to build out the product. And what we've been focusing on is like very specific product usage metrics and activation. So like what we're trying to look for is can we get, of our new signups to be able to book a meeting within seven days of using SenseBark. So we've kept the team and everything very lean while we're focusing on that because we don't want to go to the point where we're like, you know, spending so much money on marketing, bring all these new customers that we kind of have golden handcuffs and can't like change parts of the product. Um, 
So we've, yeah, we've been, I'd say like super lean, but like the plan is, you know, we really want to nail this. And then once we do, that's when we'll consider raising more money to scale and know that we have a really good, you know, onboarding funnel. And we know if we spend money and bring in more signups that they'll have a great experience and be able to keep using SenseBart, be successful and expand their accounts. Right. So you're thinking very, uh, um, sustainably about this. I mean, a lot of people don't do that, right? Like they go and they just raise as much money as they can, like whenever they can, because they see that as like, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess in some, in some ways I could see an argument for like, if you do it, if you go that route that you're doing the best thing for the business, like you're going to get as much money as you can, like as cheap, cheap of money as you can, that sort of thing. But I think like, especially now and in the current, I mean, I'm, I've always been a big believer of bootstrapping or um, like, that's just how we've always done it. And, um, you know, I think we would, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but like we would probably raise if it made sense. If we felt like we had like just this like massive, you know, demand that we could not keep up with otherwise. Um, and we could, you know, we would get, the, you know, get things on our terms. Like we probably would do it, but we just haven't been in that, you know, space yet. But like, um, but I think it's smart. I think it's smart, especially in this environment to like be a bit more conservative and make sure you're really like nailing something before you go out and raise because it's like, and, and also like valuations are different, like completely different now. We've had a lot of people on the podcast. I mean, we've been doing the podcast since probably like 2018 or, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had people on the podcast, like you know, 2019, 2020, 2021, and they were raising then, or they had just raised. Right. And so they had like totally different, um, mindset than like some people that we've talked to like this year, like it, things changed so quickly in the market that there's just been like completely different, different mindsets. Um, a lot of people have sort of like paused what they were planning on doing, um, and just, you know, like, being a, a little bit more lean and trying to like really get the fundamentals right. Um, and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's been interesting to see, um, yeah, how all that is playing out. I think it can be hard. Like if you raise so much money early on, like, cause especially last year, it seemed like people were raising a ton of money, like pre-product. It's like, well, if you don't build the product, make sure your product's good now. Like when are you going to do it? Cause you're raising money and now you have these expectations and you're going to grow a certain amount, but like you literally haven't built the product. And it takes time to optimize onboarding, to like work with customers. Like you can't really rush that even if you have a bigger team, because you need to put something out, you need customers to use it, you need to get feedback, you need to iterate it and then put it out again. And so like, if you're raising as if it's your series a, but you're still, you haven't built the product, like our investors going to be okay that you're taking all this time. So I I know I'm seeing like some other friends that are very stressed out about it where they're like, Oh, we, Oh, we've never charged. And now it's like, well, like, when are we going to do that? But like, we're starting from zero here. And I think it's really tough. Um, so yeah, we, we've definitely like done things I'd say like differently than maybe was expected, but I feel really good about it. Even though like last year, I think people thought we were moving slow. And now people are looking at this year. I mean, like, Oh, you didn't take any shortcuts and your Mm -hmm. product's in a better spot. And like, you know, our revenue is now like moving up, like really consistently. And I feel good because we never, like we never cheated or like took any shortcuts, made up any numbers. 
All right, time to break away for our weekly sponsor, which is punchlist.com. Uh, Kyle and I have been using punchlist.com for probably the past two years. We absolutely love it. Um, it's just the easiest way possible to get quick feedback on specific parts of some kind of creative asset. That creative asset could be your live marketing website, um, or it could be some sort of document like a PDF or maybe some sort of illustration that's going to go on your marketing website. Um, one of the things that we like most is just all the different ways that you can give feedback. So traditionally, if you're using email or you know, some sort of project management tool, you're probably just mostly using text to describe your feedback. Um, they bring everything in. So for example, uh, a lot of times Kyle likes to draw things on a whiteboard or uh, maybe draw something out via his, uh, via his iPad using his iPad pencil. Um, and he can give some feedback really quickly and then just attach that you know, specific image that he wants to send over that he created on the iPad. Or in my case, a lot of times I like to describe things on video, um, but they make it really easy to just leave a quick video there so you can give your, your quick text feedback, um, but then also give additional context through something like a video. So definitely check it out. Uh, you can go to the website right now and sign up. And if you use the promo code GRIT, you'll get one free month or 10% off any of the monthly plans. So definitely go check it out. All right, back to the show. A lot of the stuff that we've done with our with Adderform and that like we've kind of been doing with a number of different products is like instead of like building out the actual like tech like the tech we'll do stuff in a way like with some like no code tools or, and maybe some like services behind the scenes. Like we'll do stuff, um, call it human in the tech enabled human in the loop. Like that's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's the actual term, but we'll do stuff like that before, not, not forever, but like we'll do it, um, to basically learn like what, like how to build the, like feature out or whatever the thing is like how to build the product out before we actually build it out um so that we can avoid like that's the thing with with building like a product is like an actual tech product is you can't take shortcuts eventually you're going to get burned by it like you can't you have to go through the same like level of sort of like get something out there get people using it get feedback iterate get something else out there like we, when we first, when we built our first product, I'd say we made a lot of mistakes on that front. Like we sort of like, we kind of built a little bit in a vacuum and it took us like, I mean, we had, we had something out the door within a month or less uh, for people to use, but it, we didn't really have something that people could really use for probably six to eight months. And so like our you know, we were bootstrapping. So like, I didn't have any, we weren't making any money for, you know, six to eight months. And that was painful. But I think like, there's ways that we could have sped that up, um, that we could have, you know, we should have been, we shouldn't have been building in a vacuum, but like that, that period of time or that like stage, like you can't skip, you can't skip that. Like yeah. you have to learn, like you got to go through that first. You're probably not going to nail you. Most people don't, aren't going to nail it on, you know, their first, like whatever they get out the door at first. Cause even if it's like, even if you have the problem, like you had the problem, right? This is something that you, um, you had the problem 
and you had an idea of like what did you, what you wanted to build out but like even your problem is not everybody's that's not everybody's exact problem so like you're gonna have to like get it in people's hands and learn about all these different use cases and ways that they use the product or ways they want to use the product before you can really get something that's you know scalable um yeah so yeah and, and like even what you're saying it's like if you're putting something out there that's clearly like no like no code to test and like learn from but the plan is to then like take it back and then build, you know, something that's yeah. more like, you know, true code, not no code long-term. Like I yeah. think it's easy to get in this like dangerous loop where you're just optimizing what you already have instead of being able to be like, okay, we've learned something. Now we're going to step back and actually build it. And if yeah. you yeah. kind of like, you know, this is one thing of people taking shortcuts. It's like, well, okay, people are using this. We'll just add more and more to it. And it's like just putting more and more band-aids on something versus like taking the time to be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to learn we're going to take feedback. We're going to maybe like put it out again learn a little more and then build it back in. It's slower, but then ultimately your foundation is so much stronger that you're never going to have to like undo everything and start over because you're learning growing more sustainably. Um, that is true. I mean, I think that's one of the downsides. Like there's obviously pros and cons to raising money and or bootstrapping, right? There's, I think that's one of the cons on the bootstrapping side. Like, you know, you had a, you figured some things out and you're like, okay, this is what we have to build. But this means we've got to like scrap, like this means we need to scrap everything that we've been doing and like build from, build from scratch. And like, you know, we're going to build X, Y, and Z out. And like, that's what the customer wants. And you know, that's the case, but all your revenue is tied up in this thing that exists now, but in your bootstraps, you're like, I need that money for myself, like for my, for my family. <laughs> so you're, you know, you're really like, it's hard to, it's very, a very difficult decision to like get rid of that thing and build the thing that you know, you need to build. If you had some financial cushion, um, from raising, you know, even just a little bit of money that could hold you over for six, 12 months, like whatever, then you wouldn't like, you could do that it's an easier decision, I think. And so I think that's a lot of times where, and we've, I, we've definitely run into that. And I think it's slowed us down in certain ways over time. I mean, it sucks to have to make that decision where it's like your livelihood versus like what you're, what you should do like yeah. with the product or like within the business. And those things constantly clash when you're bootstrapped, unless, you know, unless you're like MailChimp or something and you're, you've got like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in profit and like you can, afford to do that but oh, most, you know most people don't <laughs> yeah no, I, feel like, I mean i think the important thing is that if you raise like just make sure that you're very like uh, you know that you have a good um relationship with your investors where you tell them like your actual plan and make sure that they're down to support it and not be like oh yeah we'll take your money and then like go 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 and then you can be like actually we need another year to focus on product i think it's important to be like no this is what we're doing these are our product goals and then yeah you have that cushion which is nice and the time um, that you're not, that you can focus on, you know, usage retention, like these, I'm going to say fluffier metrics that are very important long-term, but in the short term are not going to feed your family. Um, right. yeah. So definitely a trade-off though. And I think the most important thing is like, if you do raise, like make sure that you, like, we love our investors. They're, um, they are very supportive of our strategy. And, uh, I think we're really lucky to find them, but it's not what are I'm they, everyone. You're in New York, right? Are they in New York? Too? No, so I'm in New York now, but we actually started a company in San Antonio. So our lead investor okay. is Active Capital in San Antonio. And then we also did 500 startups uh, who ran into 500 mm -hmm. Global. So those are, are the two funds we were the closest with. Yeah. 
Gotcha. How do you like working in New York City? I can hear New York City in the background. Wow. Yeah. I know I like it. Like it's um there's so many people like doing all kinds of different things. Like it's not just yeah. really here. It's like everything. And um, I think one thing that's nice about New York too, is like people visit. So like in San Antonio, it's a really cool, like very intimate um, startup scene. You're right near Austin, which has a ton going on, but like you, it also feels like you're a little bit isolated from the rest of the world versus like New York. Like there's someone sleeping on my couch like every other week. And um, right. yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, the um, I used to travel in New York City a lot in my like before I started, uh, before we started the company. I worked for another company and I was always up there, like all of our a ton of customers up there and potential customers. And um, every time I would go, like I love New York City. I like I it's I think I don't know maybe most people feel this way, right? But it's like there's so much energy. Like you walk outside in the morning and you're just like let's go. Like there's like so many people like doing, you know, they're all grinding. They all have their own hustle. Like they're running around. Like it's just, it gives you a lot of energy. Um, Mm -hmm. and it just feels like very scrappy, which is like, you know, in the stage that we're all in with like startups and stuff. And so I always love that. But every time I would go, I would, I would, you know, it'd be like, I don't know, three to five days or something, depending on what, what I was doing. And I come back and I'm just like, like literally I'd get sick like every single time I went and I don't know if that's because like you know like I feel like people don't sleep in New York like it's like you go you grind all day and then you go out at night maybe I was just like when I was younger I was doing this but like you know you you go out and then you're up you know doing the same thing the next day and then you're going out like it's like this constant just like yeah the same on the weekends it's funny like I think that yeah. my weekends are like literally just sleeping and then my weekends like, you know, wake up early, like outside, like work and then at night, yeah. you're like, there's always something. And then usually something else you're kind of trying to stack. It's like, all right, we got a dinner and then like an after dinner thing. And then like the weekends come and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to sleep till like 3 p.m. on Saturday and just, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And I, and maybe it was the, um, maybe it was just all the people and like the subway and I'm just like a, you know, I'm not a New York city person. So like, you know, I go there and I'm getting, you know, I'm like a, a toddler going to daycare for the first time, like picking up all these like viruses and stuff <laughs> from all the people. And every time I come back and I'm like, I'm sick. And, but yeah, it got me, um, like, yeah, I don't know. It, but I always, I, I haven't been in a while just with COVID and everything, but, um, I used to love it. Like it was, it was awesome. I'm sure I'm sure you, like it's very energizing to be a founder and like, you know, starting something in, in that city in particular, um, just cause there's so, there's such a big, I mean, it's just so many people doing different things and I'm sure the community there, like the startup scene and stuff is awesome. Oh, that's great. And Hey, if you want to come, I ha- I now have a whole lot like couch bed in my office. So <laughs> you're more than welcome. Nice. To here. nice. Do you, and you guys, you work from home, I assume. I do. Yeah. Yeah, um, my husband's in medical school here, so we're actually in the like medical, like it's actually the resident housing, even though he's a student. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we have like we got pretty lucky and got like a nice two bedroom subsidized apartment here. So I have a, I have nice. an office, which I think is fair for New York. But very yeah. I know I'm I'm like I was waiting for it to be like your bedroom or something with like the bed in the background. <laughs> That's all. My wife, you know, she's work with a. Um, when she was at Twilio, she worked with a bunch of people in New York City and 
every time she was like on a call, it was like somebody's bedroom with the bed in the background or whatever. Yeah, the city's not optimized for remote work. Like, <laughs> I'll say yeah. that. Because like, the point of New York is like you're going out like all the time. So I think it's had a tougher time adjusting to COVID than especially like when the pandemic started. I was in Texas where you have infinite space. Um, and then here it's like, wait, we're supposed to live in these apartments? Like, yes, a lot of people are like splitting like one bedroom, you know? Um, right. But that's why yeah, I have plants are covering. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's a different, I mean, we're, we're based in Atlanta or we're not even in Atlanta. We're like in a little, um, uh, it's called Decatur, but it's like just outside of Atlanta. It's 10 minutes. I mean, maybe even five minutes away from Atlanta, but it's kind of like a little suburb with like in Atlanta sort of, but yeah, it's a totally different world. I don't know. I guess you can't see my, um, it's my screen was like wider before, but like, like it's just like trees. Like we just have like a. It's very different, very different from New York City, which is probably why I got so sick. Right, I am never around enough. <laughs> Needed trees to breathe. But, yeah, exactly. I've got my plants. They're just outside. Um, but uh, yeah, I. So I I also noticed. Um, I was going to ask you about this. I noticed you used to work at like a. You were in marketing at a like a developer tool company. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask like who you, who you think it's harder to market, uh, market to developers or salespeople? <laughs> um, let me think about it. Well, I, well, I would say developers. The fact to... that you even need to think about that is like surprising to me. I thought there was going to be like a... The problem with marketing developers is, um, very tough because if they catch on that you're marketing to them, they get very defensive. Mm. Yep. So it, it, what we had to do is, it, and I'm sure your wife has, has a lot of good insight here. It's you have to be very creative, uh, and it has to be a lot more like community led. Um, and the funny thing is, like I felt ridiculous. Like it was my first job out of college, and I studied marketing, yeah. and I was like, they do not want to talk to a marketing person. So I did like two different yeah, you're like, camps. You're I like, like I want. I want to do a bunch of let's do a bunch of user interviews, and I'll learn all this stuff. And they're like, I don't want to talk to you. Don't yeah, call me. Like, don't don't email me. And so I was like, also like, it was my first job, so I made mistakes. I remember one time I like sent out an email. So, okay, this was the situation. I tried to send out a Google form to people, but I like didn't do the sharing settings right. And so people respond and they're very mean responding to emails. So, you know, being like, you're an idiot, you didn't share this. And I was like, oh my God, let me fix this right away. But the way I fixed it was I made everyone like a creator. And when you do that, it like sends everyone everyone's emails. So you can imagine the reaction. Uh, like, you just gave my email privacy. like you know to yeah. people. I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> which my manager like, help me fix this. Like this is you so pushed bad. you pushed all the buttons of a developer. Like you're like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. send you an email and I'm gonna and privacy goes out the window. Oh like, my god, so give everybody here. I learned a lot of like how to market very respectfully. Cause that was that yeah. was like I remember that was like two months and like my first, I had no idea what I was doing, obviously. Yeah. But you can, um, you can get, you can tell them like, Hey, the good news is the only people that got your emails were other developers. So you're definitely not going to get emailed by anyone. <laughs> yeah. That's a good, um, but yeah, so I think that was kind of cool. It was a great experience. Like one, it got me like really into to coding and like, I've done a lot with SenseFire. Like I made, I make our website, um, do a lot of like optimization stuff. And now I'm like, Oh my, marketers should be more like technical. It's really nice to have both those skills, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, tough 
you're not doing like outbound to developers. Um, like I would not recommend it, but I think, yeah, I, I, know <laughs> I have, uh, oh. um, no, that's why I wanted to ask you that because, um, so Kyle and I were both at a company called rigor before we started this company, similar to you. Like we were at another company we met and we started the company, but, um, so rigor was like a, uh, I would compare it like the, the biggest company I'd compare it to is like a new relic. So it was a, it was like a web performance monitoring product and we sold it to developers, CTOs, you know, VPs of software development or whatever. Um, we had like, it, it was a pretty, um, like the industry had been around for a long time. There was a bunch of really big players that had, um, you know, like Matt, they had raised hundreds of millions of dollars. And so you're, it's an incumbent market. So you're going to go in, they're definitely going to be using, like, if you go into any company, there are hundred percent chance they're using something else. So, uh, the point being, we barely had any inbound. Uh, I mean, literally like maybe five, like over time, like the time that I was there, like maybe like two to 5% of, our revenue was inbound. So like very, very little, everything we had to do was outbound. So we're like literally like going, I mean, calls don't even work with developers. Like they don't even have, they don't have office phones or anything. So it's like strictly email outbound to like grow that business. Like just pure, like grind. Like we had like, I think we had, I don't know. At one time we had like 15 BDRs. Uh, and then to, we had like a, I don't know, probably like five to seven account executives, but it was just like all outbound. (laughs) So I'm very familiar with, uh, you know, maybe not marketing, what kind of marketing to, uh, developers, but like, you know, going outbound. And I could tell you a lot of horrifying stories of like things people said to us. Um, man, we had all kinds of like, we had one time we got somebody fired. Like we were, we're reaching out to like try to, you know, you know, market the product and like potentially work with them and, and sell them our product. Um, and we end up getting the guy fired because he said something so like egregious to like one of our uh, BDRs who was a female. And he said something horrible to her that was like sex or harassment and all this stuff. And like immediately, I'm just like, nope, they went over the line. (laughs) Like normally I'm like, okay, they said something like, they're like, shut up, don't email me, you know, like whatever. And you're like, okay, whatever, roll off my shoulder. And then um, this one was like, whoa, that was, that was insane. So I like sent it to like their head of HR. I was like, this is not okay. And they like literally like let the guy go like the next day, which was totally appropriate given what he said. Yeah. Which won't be be mentioned on the podcast. It's fine to delete an email you don't want. They like, you know, you got to be respectful to people. Um, Totally. People get, I don't know why people get so offended by certain things, but, um, you know, maybe they're just having a bad day or something, but you know, it's part of it. You gotta like, you gotta do whatever you can to, you know, it's also, you gotta remember that it's like these people's jobs, right? It's like, yeah, that's their, their job, their livelihood. You may think that that's a dumb job or like they shouldn't, you know, like that you don't like, what they're doing but like that's their just you know that's what i always try to remember too because you know we're all getting emailed by different people and it's like you got to remember it's like they have they have a job they might have you know the uh kids or whatever like they're just trying to like put food on the table for their family and they're just trying to do a job to make money so it's like i never 
and it's and also as like an ex salesperson i still sell obviously but like i never say anything bad to like and i'll never i'll never do that to like a sales rep ever because of you know having been on the you know on that side of the fence and also because i'm it's like they're just trying to make you know once you have kids and stuff like you start to like i don't know you have a different perspective on things and it's like people are just trying to make money for their you know to provide you know for their kids so it's like i don't care what they're doing you know um, I'm not going to, even if I don't agree with it, like, I'm not going to like freak out about it, but yeah, anyways, no, to be honest, that was like a big part of the reason we started Sensebar because I was sending out all these emails and a lot of times the responses are so mean and you're like, I know for a fact, they don't realize that there's a human on the other side of the email. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, how do you show that there is a human and not just there's a human, but there's someone that's like actually thinks that their solution is going to provide value. Because I think as a recipient of emails, you're sitting there being like, oh, people are just pinging me constantly. I feel targeted. Like, I feel like I feel like I'm a target and errors are coming at me. And it's like, well, if you're the person reaching out, like you want to show like you're reaching out for a reason. And that reason, you know, you know, maybe I think there's some bad practices where people are just completely spraying private. For the most part, it's like they've identified people that can benefit from their product and they're trying to put it in front of them. And like, how do you show like one that like I'm a person reaching out to you because I want to show you something and two like let you see the value immediately and not like have you read a ton of content or try to like you know send you the documentation I want to just show you hey this is how your life can be better if you're using our product let me know if you want to meet or just sign up free you don't even have to talk to me like whatever floats your boat um yeah yeah so that was why it has to be more human this isn't working totally for anyone yeah I totally agree I mean it's like you, you can, you get a little bit more, you definitely get a lot more context when, um, things are said. I mean, it, it's the problem we all have because we all use Slack and we use these different things that are all, I mean, internally we use notion and like almost all of our communication is written. And so, you know, it's hard to get, like, it's hard to know. I mean, same with like tweeting, right? It's like, you don't really know like how they're saying it. Like you don't know context around it. Like there's just all these things that it's just not, yeah, it's just not personal. And I, I totally agree. I think it's a great, um, that's a great point on, on that. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you since you're a, a marketing extraordinaire, my assumption with your business is that there's like the viral component, um, mm-hmm. since you're sending these like back and forth and you, and you also have like, you have like integrations. I've, I know you have an integrations page. I'm assuming at least with some, I mean like with intercom, there's, you know, they have like their app store. So there's like sort of the, you may be getting some, you know, leads via like app stores and things like that. Like what are some of your main marketing channels or what are the best marketing channels for you guys? And, um, you know, how have you guys like optimized those over time? Yeah. Um, the best one we have right now is honestly just like organic traffic because we're writing, we end up writing a lot of content or making a lot of videos about like how to send videos in certain platforms. And so that kind of loops into the integrations, but um, you know, we're often bring people in who search like how to send a video in intercom, how to send a video in HubSpot, how to send a video in these platforms. And so like, that's been very consistent. Um, so it's a lot of like how, how to SEO basically. Yeah. How to SEO. Do you, fi- do you find that people are, cause that's all, that's something that we've like, that's something we've noticed too is that a lot of people like when they're searching it's all it's like a lot of like how to's and so then like the for like a lot of like reddit and like forums start to become like pretty like they're they're ranking super high do you guys is that 
how you see like most of the stuff is like people asking like how do I do x and yeah. then you're trying to show up in those places exactly and like one thing that's nice about that is it's like high intent right like you're actively looking mm-hmm. you're trying to send a video yep. in MailChimp and so you're looking for it you find something you're going to use it right away um so that's why like that was one of the first things that we did and has been consistently working well we do drive a lot of virality, but it, it's kind of different because you're not high intent. It's more like you get a video, you're like, oh, this is cool. And then maybe you sign up, but you're not like ready to use it. There's not like an active campaign you're working on. So it requires a little bit more nurture. So like that's definitely been effective. And I just onboarded someone yesterday who like they mentioned that they got a video, thought it was really cool. And they, they did sign up. So we, we see a lot. It's just more of a slower process. Um, right. And then partnerships work great, but they're kind of in spurts. So like we just announced the partnership reply last week and or this week, I don't even know. Days are <laughs> what days are anymore. Um, we just yeah. announced that. And so that's really good, but it's like, you're not announcing partnerships every day. So right. those are great. And, you know, we're trying to work on more partnerships and have like a better cadence around it. So it can be more consistent, but right now it's kind of like no, nothing, 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 waterfall, nothing versus like organic. Yeah. It's very consistent. Well, it's just like a, I mean, <laughs> I've got a lot of experience uh, through the intercom, <laughs> uh, that particular path. And so it's, yeah, it, the thing about those, like, I think you're doing the, I think you're doing, I definitely think you're doing the right thing of like trying to do this across like multiple platforms. Um, you know, there's obviously some, some benefits to going like just through one and like making it great for and optimizing there. But like, we all, it's just, you're never going to get like, like it's it's really hard to turn the nozzle on you know for for like like an app store so like we've tried we tried like everything i mean we had we we had some sort of like um we built our own little app for like rankings within their app store so like (laughs) when the page would load when you would go to a certain category within their app store which things show like how do the things rank and then tracking that over time and tracking changes and like we, we basically try to figure out their algorithm of like how they were, I mean, we like, you can even just saying the word algorithm, you're like, wait, you went way too far into that. But I uh, like, we went so far into it. Like we knew exactly how they ranked things. Um, we knew like, you know, it was, you know, the certain, uh, words within like the, t- uh, your app, like they did things like some things were like alphabetic. Uh, and so we would, we would like change, we like changed our name, like we literally changed it from just like, like user feed back. to like, <laughs> remember it was, it, it's now it's like feedback by user feed or bump by oh, user feed. Like we changed those things be, because they ranked higher and we like tested that stuff. So, and we found that like when we ranked low, we got a lot less signups when we ranked high, you know, because like if you're in any of these categories, there's obviously going to be other competitors. And so if you rank higher, chances are they're going to like try your thing out, you know, at least better chance they're going to try it out. Maybe they try it out first. So it's like, I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into that, but there's only so much you can do to optimize in those funnels. Like you have to find other avenues. And so like what you guys are doing by trying, you know, by integrating with a lot of different platforms, um, and then focusing a lot on like SEO. I think that's, and then obviously yeah, well, it's actually too. similar. Cause I don't think you went too far at all. I think it's like, you're going to optimize for <laughs> one thing. Like if you're going to optimize, you need to like focus on one thing, do it really well. So that's why we're optimizing more for Google's algorithm than any of the individual platforms because, yeah. and obviously like people are looking in those platform stores. And I think that's actually 
probably how I found user feed is I just wanted something that integrated with intercom and I searched in the marketplace. But a lot of people are just searching in Google, not directly in the marketplace. So we've been optimizing for Google and, you know, and we're doing everything like we're doing the featured snippets. We've actually just created a lot of YouTube videos because that lets you like jump up on the rankings. Um, And like, it's crazy. Like you can post a YouTube video and be on the top page within like a day. Like it, it happens so fast. So we started doing that. So yeah. they really like is it is it looking at like the title of the YouTube video or like what what is it looking at most in order to like it, rank it's on the title? But so I'm not an expert here at all. But like this is what I'm not. An, I'm not. A, I'm not either. This is like But yeah, I focus on the title, the description of the video, and then the content in the video. Obviously, Google can do transcription and see what you're saying. And what we've been doing is we're recording the videos with SenseBar, um, of course, shameless plug. And then we post them to YouTube and then we add a cover. So the cover looks nice. And I've heard that helps a lot to have a nice cover. Yeah. So, but it's not like an animated cover. It's just, you upload an image separately. So it looks good. And then yeah, title description. Um, and I haven't used like any hashtags or keywords or anything like that, but what I'm doing is very consistent across every platform. It's like how to send a video on this platform. And within a day, because when in Google search algorithm, you know, first they show the ads and then they have the featured snippet, which is nice if you can get it, but you know, you can get it and you can lose it. You don't want to put all your eggs in that basket. And that can take a while. Like sometimes it's taken at six months to get a featured snippet and then they show videos and then they show the search listing. So having a video is actually more important than the search listing because it's going to show up higher. Like if you're ranking number one in video, that's going to be higher than if you're ranking number one. Even if you're ranking number three for the video, it's still going to be higher for the search than ranking number one. And so, and I would just recommend doing both because some people like video, some people like text. So if you can be on the top page for both those, like you're kind of golden. So that's been a recent um, plug. Yeah, that's working well. With user feed, like we, we started doing a lot of content that was... We would just do all these like temp like intercom related templates. So things you could do in intercom that they never talk about mm. or like they don't talk about much. So it's because if they talk about it, we're always going to end up behind them. So these these would be things like unrelated to user feed or bump or whatever. Like we just it would just be things that we do internally. Like we use like tags to do feature flagging for yeah. like companies. So like they never intercom, you know, they've got a million things to talk about. Like that's not a thing they're going to talk about. But like being able to put a, con- a a lot of content out like that, like that's what we were we were trying to show up for. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. I never, I haven't gotten much into the YouTube stuff other than like for the podcast. But that makes a lot of sense. So one of the businesses we started recently was uh, not a tech tech business at all. <laughs> um, it's a it's a hiring business out of the Philippines, and we we've always we've hired a lot of people out of the Philippines in the past um, for all our software businesses. So, um, like we just had experience with that and we've been like thinking about starting something where we, it's like, we're hiring people in the Philippines, but we would just have our team in the Philippines, like hire other people in the Philippines. So we're like, why don't we just do that for other companies, um, instead of just for ourselves. So that's why we started, started the business. But, um, we, you know, obviously that like the whole, like head hunting or hiring, you know, like, it's not outsourcing because we're not like we're actually like hiring people for you, like we're placing people. But um, you know, outsourcing like that, these are massive industries with a mi- you know a million competitors, um, and so we're thinking of way like you know using our um, you know because we're in tech and like 
we've marketed in different ways for our software products, like trying to take some of those um, tactics to this industry that probably isn't doing a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I mean, I actually think like we were thinking about doing some like YouTube related stuff. So that makes me want to focus on that first. Yeah, like priority. Definitely. Especially like even the things you're writing about, like how to do tags or anything, just make a video for it too. Use the same content. Yeah, yeah. And um, like I, I just do both. For a lot of things. So are you guys, are you like actually repurposing contents? So like you'll take like some blog you wrote, you know, two years ago or like recently and then just I'll do the same thing and just make a video. For the videos, we've been doing mostly how to this just because hmm. it's like, I don't know how I would necessarily do a video that's like more thought leadership. But it's like if you can say like so we're doing mostly the how to videos and then just recording with SenseBark. So like how to send a video on intercom, how to send a video in Gmail, how to send a video in Outlook, like all of these very simple things. And that's been, it's going well. I think if we could think about another way to have something else, but some, you know, some other articles we have are more like our thoughts on things. And I don't think I'd want to record myself well, just like talking for two minutes or that anyone yeah. watch it. It could just be like part, you know, similar to like the podcast. It's like little snippet, like little, um, parts of an article that was like you think would be relevant to people maybe it's like there's a little yeah. how to that was like in some other article or something but yeah that makes sense um one one thing i noticed on your site that i liked uh was the there's like a when i try to get off the page you know one of these like pop-ups or whatever but uh, it's like the pop-up is to like send you a video email which I think is cool. It, yeah. I think it's a really good idea. We said a lot of three years ago and have not changed it. It's great. Does it work well? Do people, yeah. you get a lot of people doing it? Yeah. I mean, I think because it's like specific to our product. It's like, Hey, if you're interested, you just want to see an example. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I would definitely, I, but I think that's because it's our product. I don't know if that would be like transferable to everyone. Well, I mean, I was just thinking about it like with our other, pro so we, we basically automate, there's this thing in the ad industry that's called um, tear sheets or screenshots of ads showing up in the wild, like for different ca campaigns. And, um, and I was thinking like we could do something like we could do the same thing and just be like, like tell give us an ad and we'll like send you, we'll send you a screenshot of that ad on, you know, some random site just give you like an example of it because that's kind of what they're doing in our trial anyways oh yeah I'm like we should just do that like we that should that would be like probably a, like a pretty awesome legion opportunity for us yeah but i think so just i was gonna ask because i was like i wonder so do you guys send them like is it automated or will you actually send them like a it's automated because before we were actually doing it personalized and the problem was it was taking it two things so one it was taking a long time like for me to actually do it because you know, if I'm on a meeting or something, I'm not going to see it right away. And then also, because we don't know anything about the person yet, there wasn't anything unique. So it's like, it would be personalized, but it wasn't really personalized to them. It was just me like saying, I didn't even have, we weren't even asked my names, just email. So it wasn't like it was significantly different. So then we're like, you know, let's make this one automated and then it's going to be faster for them. And then they can, and it, you know, it, it's not like it's really different anyway. So we did end up changing it. And I think that's been better. And then when people are like, you know, they want an actual personalized video or they ask a question, we'll often send the personalized videos. But otherwise you're like, why are we personalizing it? I don't, I don't know anything unique about you. You totally. turn on our website for two seconds. <laughs> 
Well, that's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I know we're we're like over our uh, hour, which I often do. Um, so I want to let you get back to your Friday. Um, thank you so much for jumping on. I really enjoyed uh, reconnecting with you, and I'm glad you're still using user feed. Uh, and I, you know, we'll keep you updated um, on the new the new product. And uh, if it's something you guys want to try out, we'd be happy. We'd obviously love to love to work with you guys. It's gonna be. It's called Docs Fresh. Um, well, it'll, I don't think we have the. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a link to like the sign up. We're just getting like a lot of our old intercom customers and stuff to like sign up for like the, you know, like join the wait list or whatever. So um, I'll send that over to you. And uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, this was awesome. Um, Every, like we'll put a bunch of links in the show notes so that everybody can go check you guys out. But you should definitely, uh, you should definitely check out SendSpark, especially if you're in sales or marketing and you're sending a lot of uh, a lot of emails and you want to personalize it. Um, you guys should definitely um, chat with Bethany. Um, but yeah, I uh, I uh, really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Yeah, Bethany. me too. It was so great to catch up. Thanks for featuring me.